ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sanyin Podcast. Today we have a familiar guest. Um, she was here back in season one and we brought her back because we believe she has amazing stories and views to share with us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Joel back to the podcast. Um, um, thank you very much, JP. I'm very delighted to be here again. And my first visit to the Sign Podcast was amazing. We had a wonderful talk. So I'm hoping that today will be more better than what it was before. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, um, Joel, um, people like uh, people who listened to the previous episode uh, know you, but for someone who 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 is just listening in, um, how would you introduce yourself? Okay, so. I am Joelle Choco Cowan, and I'm a Liberian, a very proud one. And I am a student studying integrated medicine in China at Shanghai University of Traditional Chinese Medicine. And I am a prospective graduate, and I am mainly focusing my research on ophthalmology, and that is the same field my clinical practice is in. So yeah, that's basically who I am, and I'm glad to be here. Okay, um, Joel, um, you have been in China for for quite um, a while, if I have to say, and um, you have, you said you've studied in China and you've seen the, you know, the 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 way foreigners, uh, where foreigners interact with the Chinese in here, the way of life, basically. So you as Joel, both at uh, at a personal level and at a professional level, how do you describe life in China for foreigners? Oh, okay. So let me talk about it. Uh, from my point of view, um, China has uh an incredible life quality, and the security in China is very great, right? And foreigners can easily access everything basically everything they will need to stay in China. So me living in Shanghai, I am very accessible to a lot of things that I want, although I do not have the time to be able to explore all of all of these amazing things that I have here in my city. And I've encountered a lot of foreigners, a lot of experts, and they have also shared their thoughts like about life in China. If you are staying in your lane in China, I think China can be a very safe and amazing place for you. And when it comes to the professional sector, uh, I think the Chinese people are more are more welcoming in, in the hospital where I work and at the school, right? It is, it is very welcoming to take me as like a part of them. But when it comes to publicly, if I find myself in public, sometimes I get disenchanted and I get uh, a lot of Chinese people. I encounter a lot of Chinese people that are quite mean to me, you know. I remember some time ago, uh, about a month ago, I had to go to the police station and file a complaint <laughs> against a Chinese. And the reason was simply, simply because, sorry, I I got off the subway and I needed to take the taxi. So I was in a hurry, so I couldn't call like the DD on my phone. So I just decided to take the normal taxi. 
and the driver couldn't take me because for whatever reason he said he wasn't going to carry Fajorin. <laughs> yes, because I'm an African. So I got very annoyed by that and I felt like this is a public transportation, it's a taxi and everyone is supposed to use it. So I had to go to the police and file my complaint and they told me I was right about it. But I want to file a case, I have to contact the transport authority and they will find the driver for what he did because it was wrong. So I think China is is highly safe and there are a lot of welcoming people in the professional sector and there are some people you would meet in public that could make you feel a little awkward and unsatisfied. Yeah. Um you've said something there about the sort of discrimination. Um you think um measures are being taken by the government to address issues of discrimination, especially to Africans. I I believe that if you I discriminated as a foreigner. If you take a legal action against the Chinese that behave in such a way to you, you could get some result from the government. But if you do not do anything legal about it, maybe you just you just go on social media and post a video or post a comment and say what happened to you. Nobody's going to come to your aid, all right? So I think you just have to take the legal approach against it and they could do something about it but it's it will probably take a little long a little while to get uh, a very good result based on the magnitude of what you have been faced with you know your situation um, does that help only refer to big cities like shanghai beijing guangzhou or it's across the country i think it's across the country um um I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about other cities, but in Shanghai, if uh, because Shanghai has a lot of foreigners everywhere. So if you have such a situation where you are being disenchanted or somebody is trying to take advantage of you, you file a complaint to the authority. They will take legal actions against it. Okay. Um. Now let's address the elephant in the room. Um. Recently, I saw you on, on, a, on a publication where you were featured in your works with uh, in Chinese medicine. Um, so tell us more about it. Okay, so um, since I came to China, I've been studying Chinese medicine. I've been studying Chinese integrated medicine, integrated with Western medicine. And I have been afforded so many opportunities to be able to dive deeper into Chinese medicine. So uh, uh, about two years ago, I started studying with uh, one of China's famous top, among the top four ophthalmology in China. Uh, I am studying with one of them and he is now retired, but he's still uh, working in the clinic as a part-time tutor because of how effective his acupuncture treatment is. So I've been starting with him for the past two years. And um, in this year, I was so blessed that there is this Chinese ceremony that is not done for everyone, not even for Chinese. Uh, it's like a ceremony where you, you honor your teacher uh, that you have been following and learning a lot of things from. And then, in so doing, that teacher also 
honors you as a student and a student following his lineage and being, you know, a sign of alignment for you to be a part of the next generation of successful um, doctors in that field. So that's what that picture was all about. And I was afforded the opportunity to do that. It is such a great honor for me. And also uh, I have been working very, very hard tirelessly to learn and study hard and under him, under his tutorship. So yeah, I can proudly say that my Chinese medical skills have highly improved, even though not to the extent I envision it be, but it's at a very good stage right now as a student. Okay, um, just give us an insight on traditional Chinese medicine. How does it work? Okay, so traditional Chinese medicine is highly holistic and it's mainly of, it, it involves a lot of therapy even though there are Chinese herbs there too. So Chinese traditional medicine can be divided into subsections. It has acupuncture and moxibustion, and there is coping therapy, there is tunai, and there is traditional Chinese herb. So all these mixture of treatment can be used to treat numerous diseases. But the one that I'm highly fascinated about is acupuncture, is the branch of acupuncture. Right, so acupuncture is able to treat a lot of severe and common diseases. In ophthalmology that I'm studying, acupuncture is capable of treating uh, optical nerve atrophy. I wrote a paper about it. I published a paper about it before. And acupuncture can be supplemented, you know, in the treatment of diabetic retinopathy along with um other Western medicine. And on the other hand, acupuncture can be used to treat very common diseases. So I'm a victim of migraine. I've been suffering from migraine since I was a teenager and it really gives me a lot of problems. I always have to take pills when I'm experiencing um, the migraine symptoms. So um, there was this time I, I was in the classroom and then the teacher was explaining about how acupuncture is able to treat migraine. So from that lesson, I decided to, okay, let me try this. Let me like massage the pressure point on my head and my, my, my hands and see how effective it is. So I gave myself acupuncture um, on the acupuncture of my hand. And then I started to, I asked a friend of mine to massage the pressure point on my head. After like 30 minutes of massage, the headache subsided. So it was like a magic for me. That's when uh, I had like uh, the enthusiasm to like learn more about traditional Chinese medicine. And then I also like do a lot of common therapies for myself, especially when I'm experiencing constipation, I give myself acupuncture and then I can get treated very well. Or sometimes when I'm having insomnia, I also give myself acupuncture and I can be treated. So acupuncture is capable of treating so many common diseases that I cannot list all of them here right now. So basically, that's just a hint about traditional Chinese medicine. Okay. Um. Do you think uh traditional Chinese medicine has a future in um, other parts of the world, for example, in Africa? 
there are chances we can adopt it from our countries of origin. Okay. I do believe that traditional Chinese medicine has a future in Africa. As a matter of fact, African students are here in China. A lot of African students are here in China learning about Chinese medicine. And the goal is to go back home someday and serve our country. So in our continent. So if I come to China to study traditional Chinese medicine and I cannot apply that traditional Chinese medicine back in my country, what's the purpose of starting it? So definitely I have a future. I have a plan in the future to be able to uh, apply, use the application of traditional Chinese medicine back in Africa. And Africa is actually one of the major reasons why today I'm still pursuing my my career for traditional Chinese medicine without backing down. Because um, I feel that Africa and African people, our beloved Africa, has a lot of uh, people that cannot afford medical treatment. Some people can afford, but it puts a lot of financial constraints on the people back back home. So I know from my country, Liberia, I know that there are so many people that would prefer to stay at home and treat themselves instead of going to hospital because they feel that the bill from the hospital is really too high. So looking at traditional Chinese medicine that treat couple of very simple diseases and complex diseases, and it, it is highly effective for treating those diseases. It has been a feature mostly for Africa where it is hard for people to afford, like the common people to afford the kind of treatment they need because um, traditional Chinese medicine is very, very affordable. It is not as expensive as other medical treatments are, like Western medicine. And traditional Chinese medicine does not only subside your symptom for a temporary time, no. This medical treatment treats you and cure your disease, like it treats you from the root. So for example, if you have been experiencing a kind of disease for a very long time, and then every time you go to the hospital and the hospital just puts you on a certain kind of treatment that you have to take maybe for a very long period of time or for the rest of your life, but that disease cannot go away. It only like quench the disease for a while. Chinese medicine has the tendency of curing that disease from the root. So Chinese medicine is so diverse that um, it takes a lot of time to be able to understand it completely. But it is highly effective for, I believe it is highly effective for the people of Africa. And I want everyone in Africa to have very good health facility with uh, less cause of financial burden posed on them to be able to receive medical treatment. So Chinese medicine has a role in Africa in the future. Okay. Um, another thing I'll ask about Chinese medicine is, is it similar to our African traditional medicine and herbs? Is it similar? Um, so I, I can fully say yes, but I think it's uh, some of it is is kind of similar, especially when it comes to the Chinese herb. I think in Africa, we have uh, our herbal medicine that they used to treat a lot of diseases uh, back home. Uh, but also Chinese medicine is not just one. It's not only about the herb. 
it has a lot of sub branches. So I don't think Africa has that. So I think it's only similar as it relates to the herbal treatment. Okay. Um, another part of your of your career which I'm passionate about is your advocacy when addressing issues concerning your country, Liberia. Um, so I just want to simply ask, um, what are the main issues in your perspective that are affecting Liberia and how can they be addressed? Oh, one of the major issues in Liberia, and I know it's a problem all over the world, is corruption. But the level of corruption in my country is really, really high, you know? So due to corruption, the citizens suffer a lot. So I also, on the other hand, really, really is concerned about the young people and finding finding themselves in my country, you know? The young people are so carried away, they are so blinded. A lot of young people are carried away and blinded and are making bad decisions. When I say bad decisions, I am mainly considering the fight of voting because that is where we choose who we want our leaders to be. So they'll go about voting for people that get in office and end up exploiting the Liberian people, you know? especially the poor people, the people that are really poor, will go to the voting pool and vote leaders that are incompetent for, you know, carry out the duties that will benefit the people at large. But they are so selfish and they, and they will prefer to enrich themselves and watch the poor people suffer. So that's one thing. And the, another thing is that, that I'm really, really concerned about is to, the young people, young girls are being raped every time. And the consequences for rape, I feel like it is not it is not as high to be able to stop these men from doing what they do to babies back home. So people get raped. Babies get raped. Three years old, four, five, six, seven years old children get raped. And then the perpetrator is put in prison for um um few number of years and after you find them scattered all around the country again and this is not changing it is not changing it kept on increasing the living conditions highly bad for the Liberian people and uh, the government is not doing anything to be able to help with that by providing job opportunity for the young people so all those things it bothers me a lot that's why I always complain <laughs> If you follow me, I always complain about um, my country, Liberia, and what's going on in my country on my social platforms. So according to you, Joel, what steps can be taken to address the issues that you say? Well, I would definitely say a change of leadership in Liberia could be better. But that is if we are going to you know, get a leader that have love for the country that would like to put Liberia first. So it's not mainly about changing the leader, but changing the leader to get a better leader than what we currently have, you know? So if we cannot have a leader that have the passion and the love for the country that is corruption free, there will still be a lot of problem in Liberia. So I think the change has to start with the people going to the voting pool and voting a leader that is very much competent enough to be able to help lift Liberia up.
And also, I think a lot of counseling and dialogue will be needed for a lot of people that are ignorant to the fight of how the future of the country is going. Because voting a wrong leader into office will, um, will definitely affect a lot of generation to come. As it starts from us and people behind us, you know, for the tandem that person is going to be in office for. Okay. Um, one last question about um, your activism is that I've seen that uh, you as Joel, like you as an individual in your community here in China, um, in what ways can you like serve the people or in what ways are you trying to help people from Liberia while in the diaspora here in China? Okay, so <laughs> to further talk on that, uh, currently I am like the Shanghai Union of Liberian Students president, and I've been serving my people to make sure there is unity and everything that they experience in this city will be, you know, for their benefit, be able to draw them together to know that there is a family here even if you are far from home and um to widely impart the liberian community the liberian student community and that of liberians here in china that are working i am i have in my plan to run for the the position of national president you know national president of the liberian students union in china i know like a lot of people have the intention to contest for this position. But I feel like leadership starts with you having a passion, you know, and, and, and being highly involved in bringing your plans of action to pass. So me intending to run for Liberian Student Union president, I want Liberian students to actively get together and participate into events that will be able to bring honor to our country. So being in China is not only about the pleasure, the pleasure, the fun that we have here. It's about what change are we making that the people back home can see that we in the diaspora can, can you know, bring back home, you know, and impact their lives. I want Liberian, I want Liberian students in China to be able to contribute to research and get a lot of academic excellence and be able to be afforded the opportunity to get better jobs here and to be able to improve their lives in several ways and help them in case they are, you know, going through any type of constraints in China to render my suggestions to be able to solve problems. So I basically want to be a problem solver for the Liberian students in China. Wow, amazing, amazing. Um, my second last question um, is related to this month of March and Women's Day and Women's Empowerment. Um, you was Joel. Um, what are your views on feminism and women empowerment? Okay, so actually, <laughs> I get a lot of questions from so many people, you know, talking about, uh, asking me about feminism. Uh, I used to say that I am a feminist, but I wouldn't put it that way. I would definitely say I am an equalist. And one reason that I I mainly, you know, look at the idea of, of women empowerment is because women have been marginalized for a very long time. So we are advocating for a gender balance for both men and women to be able to 
participate into um into you know the sector the work environment in every sector in society so i would like to encourage a lot of females a lot of women to be ready so that's why in my post for uh, international women's day celebration i know that we uphold and lift the hands of women to be able to stand up in society but I talk mainly about, I wrote a post about women being prepared, right? So I know the struggle is hard for women to be, for women to be able to get what they deserve in society. But as people are struggling to advocate for that, women needs to be ready. A lot of young girls, um, a lot of young girls, young women, young people, you know, like tend to shy away themselves from from things that they should be actively involved with without any sort of fear. I feel like women get scared when they get in a certain environment where they, where they see their male counterpart, you know, getting actively involved in taking initiative. So they shy themselves away from those things because they feel that they cannot do it. And once you cannot prepare yourself, you cannot take upon yourself the challenge to be able to push forward and achieve things for yourself and for the women that are looking up to you. Definitely advocating for gender equality, gender balance will, will not have a lot of impact on women because if we come here today and open a job application for women and men to apply, and then you see, for example, in the field of engineering, and you see that that like only a very handful few handful of people of women applying for for that position it it like makes you feel weak because many women tend to say oh engineering is very difficult so they don't want to get engaged with it it has a lot of maps and phases and they shy away from science subjects okay maybe i'm being biased with this science situation because i'm starting science yeah, so they shy away from these things. Now, if jobs is available, how can women actively participate in these things? How is it possible if you are not even prepared? I mean, you cannot be sitting at home at your house and you expect somebody to just come and put you in a certain position that you didn't work your way to get there. You know, getting a position in society is based on merit. You have to work for it. So if women want to be great, if we want to be great, we have to put our feet down and work for ourselves because the future you want can only be given to you if you prepare yourself for it, okay? So that's, that's just what I want to say. I want to see women becoming successful, but I also want to see women being ready to be able to carry the mantle of success. And for women to stand out in society. Hey, that's mm -hmm. nice. That's nice. Um, before I let you go, I'll just ask you one question. Um, what makes you a proud, a proud Liberian? Okay, so I'm a proud Liberian because I do not deviate from my culture. I do not try to be what I am not in the discipline that have been placed in me from home unlike other countries and other parts of the world that people lack respect for the lack, the lack moral standard. Some people lack moral standard and some people lack um, self-discipline. 
So I am a proud Liberian because in every everywhere you find Liberian, you find moral discipline and a very welcoming heart. Okay, so I I love my country and I love the culture of the Liberian people. I love the society. I love the colloquial that we speak. And I just love how we even work on people that are not even from our country. Okay. Um, Joe, thank you for coming back to the podcast and sharing your your take. And uh, very pleased to have you, Joel. Thank you so much. I'm glad that I was here again. <laughs>